Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Let's pray. Father God, we bless and exalt your name. Once again, Lord, we're here to receive instructions from you. We ask of God for an, an open ear and an understanding heart. With the mind, Father of glory, that we receive the word in such a way that we'll be able to bring forth a hundredfold. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Okay, we're continuing with our study on understanding visions and revelation. And this is going to be part number four. Part four, understanding visions and revelations. Again, we take our text from Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and Second uh, Corinthians 12, verse 1 and 2. So Acts 4, 17... Acts 2.17 says, And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall, pro- shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Okay, and I told us that the word dream, horaces, actually means the art of gazing, that is, Externally, an aspect or internally, an inspired appearance. We speak of sight or vision. And then in Second Corinthians 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul writing said, It's not expedient for me that less of glory. I will come to visions and revelation of the Lord. Verse 2 says, And I know a man. In Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell. Whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up unto the third heaven. So, these are the two passages we're using as our test. Talking about the issue of vision that we received, especially that of Paul, 14 years ago before he wrote what he was writing. And then if you go down, in fact, he says, what he got was not lawful for man to alter. And what he meant to say at that time is, if he has to say exactly what he saw, people will not be able to receive it. In other words, those who were listening to him at that time, the Corinthian church, for him, they were not mature enough to receive the things he was receiving. By implication, when you come to this place, like we find in the life of John, you see the book of Revelation is still mystical to so many people today because it was a vision. It's a book that is got from a vision. Vision was given to John. So that's exactly what it is. When you receive vision, sometimes they are so deep that it will require, like I said before, some grace to have them decoded for a clear understanding. All right, so we dealt with in the last section, which is part number three, sources of visions. You know, and uh, we mentioned that we have false visions, we have visions from the heart, which is idols of the heart, and then we have visions from God. Those are the things we dealt with. And then uh, we also talked about why do we have to have visions from God? 
And we said, one, for revelation, then two, for assurance of divine favor, like we find in the case of um, Abraham in Genesis 15. There we are told, God told him, and she and your buckler, and then excellent great reward. And again, we went further to look at the case of Jacob in Genesis 47, uh, 46, from verse 1 to 7, where God was asking him to go to Egypt. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, so all these, for instance, when God asked Jacob to go to Egypt, it was all divine provision. There was no provision in Canaan. He said, you go to Egypt. Provision is made. That's all the direction for him to go to Egypt to get the best that God already has for him. Praise the Lord. Okay. I want to touch on one more divine revelation from God in this regard. I'm touching directions. And then we'll move on to part of the things that I have to share today. Um, in relation to what we spoke about Jacob and then Abraham, we have a similar thing for David, King David, First Chronicles 17, if you take it from 1 to 15, it's a little bit of a long reading, so we're going to read only from verse 4. First Chronicles 17, 1 to 15, but I'm taking it from verse 4, because it's uh, a long reading. But we say, God, go and tell David my servant, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me an house to dwell in, for I have not dwelt in an house since the day that I brought up Israel into this day, but I have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. Verse 6 says, Wherefore, whenever also I have walked with all Israel, speak I a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why have you not built me an house of cedars? And he said, Now therefore, thus seest thou, say unto my servant David, Thou shalt, I mean, thus saith the Lord, hope first, I took thee from the sheep court, even from following the sheep, that thou should be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with thee whatsoever thou hast walked, and he said, And I have cut off all the enemies from before thee. And I have made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. Verse 9, also I will ordain a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, and they shall dwell in their place, and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness with them any more at the beginning. And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, moreover, I will subdue all their enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will build thee a house. And he said, It shall come to pass, when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers. Are we together? That I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons. And I will establish his kingdom. Amen. Verse 12 said, He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. Praise the Lord. Amen? Yeah, so we see here that God was giving divine direction to David. Maybe we need to get this enough. Was giving divine direction to David, you know, with regards to the building of the tabernacle that David finally built. And he told him, I have been with you, I have walked with you, all this while, but 
I've never even with Israel required that they build me a house. Praise the Lord. So, but at your son, when your days be expired, by implication, when you're old, when you're gone to be with the Lord, as the case may be, your son will build me a house, a divine direction. Now, in this case, you can miss it if God has to speak to you in this way. That this is one that one for your life. So, when we're talking about revelations and visions that comes to us, it has to do with that which establishes us, that which puts us where we are supposed to be, and then walking in the light of the mind of God which he has for us. Praise the Lord. Let's look at it again from Second Samuel chapter 7, uh, 1 to 17. But again, I'm also going to read from verse number 10. Second Samuel chapter 7, and it says from verse number 10. He said, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all their enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. Verse 12. And when that day be fulfilled, that's what Chronicles says, when that day be expired, when that day be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of the bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Now he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And verse 14 says, I will be his father. And he shall be my son. I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. Praise the living God. So this is a promise. Uh, most often we find that it's actually, in a way, talking about King Solomon. Right? Good. But God is saying, I'm going to ask him or allow him to build me a house. And now, like I'm saying, if God gives you this kind of word, for your children, you know for sure it's going to come to pass. It gives you a stable mind. So one of the things that revelation and vision brings to us is that it gives us stability in our work with God. We should be able to come to that place where God speaks to us, gives us divine revelation as to what He wants, what He has determined to do. And we come to the place of rest. Hallelujah. Here again we find that the Lord is telling David, you're going to live old. By implication, it's not that you're going to die in the hands of an enemy. You're going to live fulfill your days. So the revelation comes in, David can get the assurance that he was going to get old enough before he kicks the bucket. Amen? And this is very important that you also know how your work is with God. You know, meaning there's a way you walk... With the father that you come to a place where you know for sure you are going to fulfill your days. By implication, at this level, you are not thinking about a devil killing you, not thinking about anything doing anything to you. You just double sure that you are going to fulfill your days on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. So this is one of the things that Revelation actually do for us. It gives us a double assurance, you know, like God was speaking to Abraham in that Genesis 15. And he was saying, no, I'm that shit and a buckler. And then this Eliezer is not going to be your son. 
They're going to have a son. And on and on, it will just give him an assurance. So, revelation brings an assurance to us to know for certain what God has in mind for us. What the end of our days or life will be. Praise the living God. Are you there with me? So, it's important that you, you hear some things from God. It's important you see the place of revelation in your walk with God. Praise the living God. Okay. The next thing, that's for assurance. That is for, you know... Defense, all of those things which we have seen. Like give the example from that of Jacob, give the example for that of Abraham, then that of David. But now the second thing I want to show us uh, with regard the, the the revelations that come from God is going to be in the area of direction in serving the divine purposes of God. Directions in serving the divine purposes of God. That's the next thing that I want to share with you. What revelation does for you, how revelation guides you to fulfill his will, to fulfill his purposes. And this is very, very important. Praise the Lord. Are we here? All right. So visions gives the direction in serving the divine purposes of God. Like we said, the previous one we just discussed, there were direction in relation to the provisions of God, in relation to what God intend to do in relation to how the life is going to be fulfilled. But this one I'm about to share with you is as you serve the Lord, the kind of direction that He gives to you, what He wants you to do, where He doesn't want you to be. All of this in come by way of visions. Praise the Lord. So let's look at Acts chapter 9. If you take time to read Acts chapter 9 from verse 1 to 19, we will not be able to read all of that. So we're going to read from verse 11. Now here is the case of Saul on the road to Damascus. You know, Paul saw Ananias, later lay hands on him. Ananias was directed to the house where Paul was. Divine direction. So let's read from verse 19. I mean, verse, verse 11. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Arise, that's to Saul now, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul. Of Tarsus. For behold, he prayed. Sorry, God was speaking to Ananias and was giving divine direction. Now you see, go to this street, the street is called straight. Acts of one called Judas. There is a man there called Saul. You can't miss it if God is to give you divine direction in what you're doing. You know, I mean, it's not about. You have a dream and you need interpretation. No. Clear revelations. It's asking you go there and do this. Divine direction for the services of God. Amen? Alright. Then look at verse 12. The Bible says, normally anytime I read this thing, it really challenges me, the verse 11. You know, imagine God telling you, I want you to go to Borikoko, right? Go to this number. There is someone there. You are not missing the road. You are not going to make inquiries left and right. You know exactly where you are going. So you must come to a place in your service and worship with God that the things that God really wants you to do, they will not be imaginations. They are the things you've seen. They are the things the Lord has shown you. Hallelujah. Even in life, regard maybe your business or some of those things as well, the Lord can also divinely direct you on what to do. 
So verse 12 says, And I've seen in a vision a man named Ananas coming in, and I want you to see this again, and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias, now how did you see Ananias before he came in? It's literally written there. He has seen in what? A vision. A man named what? Ananias coming in. So, you're not missing this man. Paul is not going to miss Ananias. Ananias is not going to miss the street or the house or the person who is housing Saul. I want you to look at that. Praise the living God. That is to say, before Ananias will come to Saul, Saul already knew he was coming. Did you get that? He already knew he was coming. And that's the good thing about this thing we call visions. To be able to know. You know, that's why sometimes there are some places you want to go though God doesn't want you to go. He shows you the vision. He speaks to you about it. That's the best way to walk. Verse 12 again. So we said, And has seen a vision named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of these men how much evil he have done to thy saints at Jerusalem. You know, somebody sometimes says, um, largely in a vision, you may not hear voices, but at the same time, you can hear voices and communicate with God. Yeah, and as well, more or less hearing voices, Saul was in a vision. Is that okay? Now, and I'm speaking back to God. I've heard about this man, how wicked and terrible he is. You want me to go to him? And then verse 14 says, And here he had authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on their name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse 16 says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hand on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as I commit, has sent me, that thou might receive that sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise the living God. I like that. You receive your sight, be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is not to say, you believe, go for baptism first or something. Receive it now. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise the living God. Now we go to verse 18. And the Bible says, And immediately there fell from his eyes that it had been scarce and received sight forthwith, and arose and was what baptized. Praise the living God. So I see, you see this, the picture here. This is a vision. All of this thing, both ways. I'm talking about Saul, I'm talking about Ananias. Their movement, their connection. The action they are going to take the world based on the revelation from God. Amen? They got the vision clearly. So Paul was not going to miss the man coming to him. And now was not going to miss the house where Saul was. Clear revelation. Praise the Lord. Very important we get that. Let's go down to Acts chapter 10. We see another example. Acts 10. We could read from 1 to 8, but I think we're just going to take from verse... Okay, let's take from verse 1 to 8. It's not bad, but a little bit of long reading. 
Here an angel appeared to Cornelius and gave instruction to call for Peter from Joppa. So, here in verse 1, the Bible says, As Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian band, I'm a cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms liberally to the people, and prayed constantly to God. About the night hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Colinius. And I like that. He saw this man coming to him as an angel and calling his name Colinius. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, verse 4, And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your answers arms have, become, I mean, have ascended as a memorial before God. I want you to look at that. What is it, Lord? What is that supposed to mean? Was it just an angel who was calling Lord here? I'm not sure. This was Christ himself that appeared to Colinius in form of an angel. Did you see that? In form of an angel, he appeared to him and he said, Hey, you better listen to me. Your arms and your prayers are becoming a memorial before God. But the point I'm raising now is, he saw a man appear to him. He wasn't dreaming. No. Praise the living God. And this part of what I'm going to share when we're getting down to the end of, the, of, this, I mean, of this teaching about divine appearances. It's so important sometimes that people can literally, I'm talking about the saints of old, they can literally appear to you. They can visit you. Christ himself can visit you like an angel. Amen? Alright. So, let's look at verse 5. And now, send men to Joppa. There's instruction. And bring one Simon who is called Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanman whose house is by the seaside. You can't miss the direction. <laughs> You can't miss the direction. Amen? Just go get this man. That's where he's staying. He's in the seaside. You know, and he's in the house of another man called Simon. Go there. Get hold of him. And the Bible says, verse 7, And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devil soldier from among those that were waiting on him, that were serving him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Amen? Praise the living God. Did you get that? Now, let's look at from verse 9, so that we don't pick up with the story of the verse 23. Go to verse 9. On the way, as they went on their journey and drive right into the city, Peter went up the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. You know, they will pray three times in a day, right? That's why you see um, Daniel was opening his window uh, to the east and praying three times in a day. It was the culture of the Jews. And that was because Solomon said, this house that I'm building, anywhere your children are, if they can turn their face to this temple, answer their prayer. So they will always find the direction where the temple was, wherever the air in the whole world. Because that's what Solomon said. That was the prayer that Solomon prayed, and they believe in that. So, verse number, what's the next thing? Number 10. And he became very hungry, and I would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, this is another thing. 
difference between vision, trance, and dreams. I'm still going to explain that a little bit. But it fell into a trance. And I like, that's why I say sometimes, when, when we teach that when you eat, you go for deliverance, I don't have a problem with that. But it could possibly be that you were hungry before you went to bed. Uh, just look at it here. Are, are you done with me? This man was hungry. Let's look at it. He became very hungry and I would have eaten. No, just hold in verse 10. <laughs> you understand that? Go back to verse 10. I want you to show you because this is very important. Good. And when he had... Verse... Oh my God. Let's get verse 10, please. Praise the Lord. And he became very what? Hungry. And would have eaten, but there was no food. And what I assume that. But while they made ready, so you will have eaten means the food was not ready yet. So while they were preparing the food, what happened? It fell into a trance. Now let's see what happened. Verse 11. And saw heaven open. Vision has come now. And a certain vessel descending unto him. As there have been great sheets neat at the four corners and laid down to earth. What is the significance of the four corners? The four quarters of the earth speaks of the whole world. What God was showing Peter here was all the world, Jews and Gentiles. They are going to become my people. So the basket came down. And what was inside the basket? Look at that. Verse 12. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the earth. Now they take you back to the book of Genesis. You begin to see what God was creating. Are you there with me? Everything was right inside that one basket. So what's the next thing that God told him to do? Look at verse 13. And there came a voice to him, Right, Peter, kill and eat. You are hungry. Now this is food for you. You see that? Praise the Lord. So you can always understand this. Largely sometimes when you you hungry before going to bed, you can literally get food to eat. You don't need to wake up the next morning and be looking for a bishop to deliver you because you ate food in the dream. The best you just do, if there's no food available, take a cup of water and that's breakfast. Eh? Alright, praise the Lord. Just walk away. Even Isaiah said the same thing. He said, all they are doing is like a man who had a dream and came out and there was emptiness. So you got to understand that. So here was a trance and Peter was asked to eat. Amen? Verse 14. Go to verse 14 now. But Peter said, not so, Lord. And one thing I'm just impressive here that I want us to pick is this. How were these people always recognizing the voice of Christ? Ananias spoke, Lord. Paul spoke, Lord. Peter spoke, Lord. Even Colinius, Lord. <laughs> it is a fact that my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. And a voice of stranger they will not follow. So there's that kind of intimacy you must have with God. That when he speaks, you will know that this is God. Reason because in the realm of spirit, there are various voices that can even want to distract you. You should be able to know which one is gone and which one is not God. Are you with me? This is very crucial. 
All these people we're talking about, anytime the Lord speaks, they will say, Lord. They are able to recognize who is talking. Praise the living God. So Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have not never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Well, the next thing, verse 15. And the voice spake unto him again the second time. What God are cleansed, I call not thou common. Hallelujah. I remember some years back when I was to take a very critical decision. The Lord spoke to me severally. And then there was this man that came to me and he felt that the decision I wanted to take was not right. And he was so worried and he came talking to me and then he left. And then in the night, the Lord asked him to read this portion. He read it and he got the meaning already. That what this man is about to do is the right thing. Don't call what I call clean what come on. So he ran back to me the next morning and started pleading for forgiveness. But now I know the Lord actually is leading you to do whatever thing you intended to do. Praise the living God. Look at that. So, what's the next thing? 16. This voice was done three eyes. Oh, come on. That takes you back to Job. You remember that? Job 13. 14, 15. God speaketh once, yea, twice. That's three times. Once, yea, twice. So God spoke this thing to Peter three times. That's to say you can't miss it. This is God. So like I keep saying, you're hearing the same voice, clear, and you're going to recognize that this is the voice of God. And then the voice is coming to you once, and the second time, and then the third time. You better take an action. Take action based on what that voice is asking you to do. The problem you have is ability to distinguish the voice of God and the voice of demons. That's the only problem you have. But once you can separate that, and this thing is coming to you one, two, three times, you know that this is God talking. Is that okay? Another thing you can see from here is where Deuteronomy, the Bible says... And the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every case be established. So, this is the third time this thing was happening to Peter. And the Bible says, And the vessel will rise up again into heaven. And I used to joke with this. For all of us who always want to go to heaven, the way we think heaven is, I'm just assuming that in heaven there are a lot of reptiles, crocodiles, snakes. He went back to heaven. But they are waiting for you there when you get there as well. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody see? Let's go to verse 17. The Bible says, And why Peter doubted in his heart on himself, what this vision which he has seen should mean, he have no clear understanding. Behold, the men which were sent from Colonius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gates. You see, he had just barely finished with the vision, the people were already there. Timing is very, very important in betting the vision that God gives to you. Amen? Very, very important. I want you to get it. Timing is very, very important. God will give you a vision, yes, but you also have to look at the time element for that vision to be fulfilled. Now, here was, you can't call it a coincidence, because that was the timing that God had put in place. You know, Peter was having this issue. In fact, he just got out of the vision and was about doubting, what is this that I've seen 
People were already standing by the gates. Hallelujah. So behold, the man which Colino sent from Colino had made inquiry and right there in the house and stood before the gate. Verse 18. And then called and asked whether Simon which was son and Peter were lodged there. Or the next thing? And the Bible says, Why Peter taught on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. You can miss it. If you're truly walking with the Lord, you're walking with the vision that God is giving to you, you can't miss it. But in timing, the people involved, you can miss it. And if you say, go out, you're going to see some men. You're going to see three men. Hallelujah. So there was no way he was going to doubt the vision anymore. And that also tells us something when you have some vision sometimes that Similarly, you're having doubt on, God will bring explanation to those visions, will be revelation to that vision, so that you can see clearly what he intends to share with you. Amen? And this is very important. This is very, very important. And that tells me also that most likely, and for largely, anytime God gives you a vision, he interprets the vision for you. Very important we get that. Dreams have a lot of symbols that you need to interpret, but visions, they are just a flash, and they are just there. They are not the thing you can miss. Praise the Lord. Okay, so that's about Peter and Colonius. And uh, there's something that always excites me in this passage. When you read down, the Bible says, when Peter got to the house of Colonius, and while he was narrating the story, how he had a trance, how the three men came, before he could finish his story, what happened? The Holy Ghost came. That may God send you to an individual. Both of you are not supposed to labor to get things done. You see, you find the same thing with Moses and Aaron. God told him, when you see Aaron, your brother coming, your heart, there will be joy in your heart. Because both of them are going to go on the same mission. Aaron will be the one to be interpreting. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You can't miss it. What about Jesus and John? When the mother greeted Elizabeth, the child leaped in the womb for John. Because they have an assignment together. Are you following what I'm talking about? When you find somebody that God really gives you an assignment to work with, you will always be happy. There will always be joy. Praise the living God. You see, it is not what is going to come out of their counter now. It is just obeying the vision that both of them have gotten. And what's the next time the Holy Spirit came down? So this is the first time a Gentile got a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Praise the Lord. Alright, let's take another example. Acts chapter 16, 8 to 12, this Paul called to Macedonia. I mentioned that earlier on, but let's just take it. Acts 16, 8 to 12. The Bible says, And they passed by Mysia, came down to Troas. And what? A vision appeared to Paul in the night. This is a night vision now. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over. Unto Macedonia and help us. 
And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. As only God the Lord has called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, losing from trials, we came with a straight course to Samotoria, Trosia, and the next day to Neapolis. And the Bible says, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding days. And I want you to get this again. Don't forget what we're dealing with. Vision that comes from God for divine directions. Amen? You see, Paul has gone through two other places. The Spirit will say, no, don't go. No, don't go. But now here is a man from Macedonia saying, come over to help us. Divine direction. Paul was struggling to go to Miasia and all of those people, I mean places, but God said, no. He has something else in mind for him at that particular time. For those people that he wanted to go to preach to, they were not yet ready. Their heart had not been made up. God had not touched their heart so that they can receive what Paul was going to say. Are you getting that? Praise the Lord. So please, this is very important. Don't miss what I'm saying tonight. Divine direction based on visions is so important. Go with me to Acts chapter 18. We'll look at 8 to 11. Acts 18, 8 to 11. Here the Bible says this again, Paul remained in Corinth for six, well, six and a half months teaching the word of God because of the uh, areas there. So, eight. And he continued there, six, no, verse eight I said. 18 verse 8. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Go to the next day. Amen. Verse 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Hallelujah. Be not afraid, but speak. I hold not thy peace. Go to the next thing. Verse 10. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Clear direction. And because of that, Paul had to be in this city for one and a half years. Was not in a hurry to leave. Was not in a hurry to go on to another place. Was not in a hurry to leave that particular place. Because God said, I have much people in this place. Oh, praise the living God. So verse 11 then says, And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among the people. That means we had a lot of comfort in this city. Because God already told Paul, I have much people in this city. There are some places where God is not intended to go part-time. You can't force yourself into such places. You labor but in vain. But of course, if God gives you a vision for a particular location, as a minister to go speak the word, definitely you are going to have a lot of comfort in that place. Amen? 
You know, there are some places that Paul went to and he suffered so many things, people refused to accept him. You remember that? Good. Those ones, he never had a clear revelation, no direction from God. Because, you see, God has to prepare the heart of the people before you go talk to them. And then they can receive whatever thing you give in to them. Amen? And I believe strongly, too, that this can be, especially if you commit your business to the hands of God, God can also lead you in this way, in your business. He can. Hallelujah. All right. One of the ways, again, of divine direction that is based on prophecy is the vision of the night that we can see. Let's take a few reading again. You know, some vision from God, we're prophetic, and we're giving so that one can interpret prophecies revealed through dreams and visions. So Daniel chapter 1 verse 17, we go see that. Daniel 1, I'm reading from verse 17. And here, Daniel is speaking now. As for these four children, God gave them, I mean, the book of Daniel now. God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all vision and what? And dreams. And I want you to see this. So that there was no dream that Nebuchadnezzar or any other king was going to have that Daniel cannot interpret. Hallelujah. So again, you need, these are prophetic interpretations or prophetic dreams because the dreams are prophetic. That's why sometimes you need people who can truly interpret your dreams to be by you. But you're very confused. You need them. Praise the Lord. Are you listening? And so here we find that Daniel has this special ability, skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel has understanding in all visions, not some, and dreams. So there was no dream you are going to give to Daniel that he cannot interpret. Now think about that. You have a dream and you come to me for interpretation and you have forgotten the dream and you want me to give you the meaning of the dream. Now you have forgotten the dream. So now I'm going to tell you what the dream is and give you the meaning again. That must be God alone. You understand what I'm saying? The king has forgotten. Daniel reminded him of his own dream. And they interpreted his dream to him. These are special graces that God has given to some people. I remember some few years in South Africa. A brother had a meeting. There were about three prophets that were moving. About seven of them, but I think three of them were, no, one among them was dream inter- interpreter. So if it's ministering in the congregation... At a stage, we ask if you have a dream, go to the next hall. There's an interpreter there. You have to move to the next hall and tell the man your dreams. And the, 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 that pastor begins to interpret your dreams for you. Amen? But I remember giving one of my dreams. He said, man, I can't interpret this dream. Only God can help you. <laughs> I like that. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, Daniel chapter 2. Let's look at Daniel chapter 2. Just look at... Um, uh, 19 to let's, let's try to read for verse 19 Praise the Lord Oh God Now here it was the, the night vision again Like we said that Daniel You know got to reveal God gave Daniel the, the, the meaning of the vision To reveal to Daniel the content of the meaning of the king's dream The Buchanan's dream about the image You know 
talking about the revealing the society of world government. You remember the image of Daniel now? Right. So verse 19. The Bible now says, There was a secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. <laughs> we must pray to the point where God will have to reveal some things to us in a night vision. And so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changed the times and the seasons, he removed kings and set up kings. He gave wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. Oh, I would like you to look at that. He gave knowledge to them that know understanding. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime. Look at verse 22. He revealed the deep and the secret things. He know, he know what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who have given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desire of thee. For thou hast not made known unto us the king's matter. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. There's a future dream now. Remember, we're talking about dream. Dream could be past, present, and future. Amen. That dream and the vision of the head upon that bed are these. Hallelujah. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into the mind upon thy bed. What shall come to pass hereafter, and he that revealeth secret maketh known to me, to thee what shall come to pass. Amen. So he saw this image, and he was lost. He never knew exactly what was going on. And then he called all the people, magicians, come and interpret. They couldn't interpret, and he said, man, I'm going to kill all of you. And then they said, no, don't worry, don't kill them. We come and interpret this dream. Just give us some time. God revealed this dream to Daniel and gave him the meaning of the king's own dream. And then he came in and said, God, I thank you because understanding belongs to you. You give knowledge to those who have understanding. Hallelujah. And so he revealed the whole thing unto the king. I'm saying, this is a night vision. And this dream that was interpreted prophetic, it was a prophetic dream, has to do with the four empires that were going to be existing Babylon, Medopatia, Greeks, and Rome. That's all that God showed him. And remember, the Bible made us understand that in the latter end, which has to do with the feet of the, the base or the image, God was going to set up his own kingdom. And that was supposed to be the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Okay. A few more minutes. So we can, can go. Daniel chapter 7. Uh, let's look at the four beasts rising out of the sea, indicating four kings. We arise up or stand upon the earth. Let's look at it from verse 1. Daniel 17. Daniel 7, rather, I'm sorry. 7. Okay. In the first year of Bethsaida, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and a vision of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. This is also very important. You have a dream, write down your dreams. Amen? 
Did you see it there? If you truly have come to the place where you know that God can communicate to you in dreams and vision, it's about time you write down your dreams when you have one. Get a dream book and write down everything you've seen. Write down the dates. I used to have a diary, in fact, three, when I was growing up in the faith. And I put everything there. And I got lost when we were shifting house. So here we go. In the first year of Bethsaida, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and a vision of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the psalm of the martyrs. Hallelujah. Verse 2. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four wings of heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, divers one from another. The first like a lion, he had eagle's wings, and I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked. I beheld time. Hallelujah. And it was lifted up from the earth. I made to stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And verse 5 says, And behold, another beast, a second like. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Flipping a girl. So what are we? And behold, another beast. Amen. Another beast again. Came up, second to the bear, and then he raised up himself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, and they said, Those unto it arise and devoid my flesh. Please, reason God. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. But let's get to verse number. Let's get to number six now. Let's just go to number six. After this, I behold and lo, another like a leopard which has upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given unto him. Amen. Verse 7. After this, I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and in a great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped this residue with the feet of it, and it was devoured from all the beasts. That were before it, and it had ten horns. Verse 17. Just move on to verse 17. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings. That's the meaning I want to give to you there. Which arise out of the earth. Did you get that? These great beasts. So, you see, this is where interpretation is important. You're seeing an animal, and then you're thinking it's really an animal. No! Did you get that? This one see four animals, and the interpretation is so simple. What's the interpretation there? These great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. Number 18 is more interesting thing. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and even forever. Amen. Praise the living God. Amen. Did you see this? So, you can't be dreaming and seeing an animal and you think it's an animal. No. 
You have to interpret the meaning of the creatures you are seeing in your dream. Amen? Uh, I was sharing with my wife last week. I wrestled with a very terrible big python. That if I mentioned it. Terrible. We just wrestling with this big python. But I killed the python too. Hallelujah. And somebody came to me and said, the python, they are like chicken. I said, okay, walk on it. And they gave me a piece of the python and it was there like a chicken. I killed it and I ate it. And I was not looking for t- python. I know somebody. But the fact I could kill it and eat it shows I'm going to have victory over that individual. Did you get that? It's very important you interpret your dreams actually when certain symbols are given to you. Amen. Praise the living God. Daniel 7, I think we, we must need to finish this so that I'll be able to give you a new... Oh, we may not be able. Let's just take this. Daniel 7, 13 to 14. Yeah, they saw one like unto the Son of Man. That's just it. I saw in that vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion, glory, kingdom, and all the people, nations, and languages shall serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that which shall not be what? Destroyed. Praise the Lord. Did you pick anything from that? Who is this? He's talking about Jesus Christ. Is that okay? A son will lie, the son of man. And that's another thing, again, I'll enjoy it to come into in your growth as a believer. Yeah, you see, as we begin to look at the record, you begin to see it. Anytime the Lord speaks to them, they recognize the voice and say, Lord. Here in this vision, they saw one like the son of man, they go to recognize that this is Jesus Christ. You should be able. With the eyes of the Spirit, know who you're communicating with. Amen? Praise the living God. We can know. I want to say it again. We can know. As far as the Spirit world is concerned. We grow to a point where we literally can see these things. Exactly the way they are. Praise the living God. So, here is it. They saw one like unto the Son of Man. You know, and the Bible tells us the kingdom of this man is not going to be passed away. Okay, I just want to give you, you go read. I don't know if we need to talk this next week, otherwise. You need to book like Nehum, Nehum 1 verse 1. You know, it talks about the vision against Nineveh. Nehum 1 verse 1. If I have to read it. The Bible says the burden of Nehum, the burden of Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nehum, the exorcite. God is jealous, and the Lord revenged. The Lord revenged and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and reserve wrath for his enemies. The burden of Nineveh. In other words, Nehum saw a vision that God wants to do something in Nineveh. Is that okay? God can give you a vision for a city. He can give you a vision for a village. He can give you certain things. I remember when we know the place called Boyede. You know, we used to do evangelism in the night because the village, you know, we take the lantern, move around, and be preaching to people. We start witnessing us from 7 o'clock with the lantern, you know, moving around. 
you know, and I remember certain areas, there were a lot of kind of mockery and jesting and turning down. And I came in one night, I was just lying down and I saw a heavy thunder and lightning came to the center of the community. And the Lord was saying, for rejecting my word, I'm going to pass judgment in this place. I woke up and I started crying and I was praying, God, have mercy. But in the true sense, within a period of a month or so, three prominent men passed on. And a lot of revolution. When I call revolution, people were now speaking against certain things that were happening that they don't want. I begin to see people come out to begin to pitch crusade in the places. I begin to have crusade in the night, and people were going because fear just came into the city. So God can give you vision about community, about cities, about nations. And at this dimension, we're talking about intercessors who can see what God wants to do at a certain level. Praise the living God. Are we together? Okay. I'll let you go tonight. We'll continue next week. Bless you. Thank you so much for being around. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.